Uh, what's been happening? I live on my own. Hey, really? Yeah. When did this happen? Uh, over the weekend. Hey, okay, so... I was helping move, move, stuff, move stuff every now and then over the past week, and I've had a few days of just me, and it's wonderful. Wow. That's, what, your first time in, uh, I want to say, a decade? Uh, aside from the occasional holiday where everybody leaves for a while, yeah. How does it feel? It's great. It is so good. There's, you just, you can just, I, I don't have to worry about like answering the phone and being too loud in the morning. I don't have to when I like when I when I go to the loo, I can just leave a door, leave a door open. <laughs> Do you know? Sorry, just on that point, I, it's what I I did because I'm currently living by myself, and you know it's great. Um, but but now. In the, the there's a clock tower opposite my flat, and the scaffolders and the scaffolding, which has been going out for the last four weeks, is now on the same level as my flat. Oh. And I realised as I was oh. <laughs> visiting the bog that oh, this is on the same eye level as the workers. <laughs> Wait, so you <laughs> had the door open, you I could did. look out a window and yep. make eye contact with them. Absolutely, <laughs> and they could they can make eye contact with me. It's also problematically on the same eye line as my uh, my bedroom window. Oh. So where I was for example, I just was getting changed today and then was like, Oh, I've just flashed everybody out there. Yeah. I whenever there's construction going on anywhere around, I just keep all the curtains closed permanently. So have you seen Johnny Boy's new flat? I have seen his, I've been in the new flat. It is a good space. Um, he will be, all future casts and commentaries will be done from a living room rather than a bedroom. Wow. Guess what color all the furniture is? Black? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, like everything. Like leather sofa or everything's just no, material I black? Didn't, if I didn't actually see the fabric of the sofa, so it could have been like any old fabric could have been leather, but I know that's black too. Everything's black. Well, welcome to living by yourself. It's great. There, there are many yeah. pros. Welcome to Good Charlotte's <laughs> new home. What? Pulling a reference out of my head. Did they not sing a song called All Black or something? <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Welcome to Good Charlotte's All Black. Oh, incredible. Back yeah. In so, black. like, I highly recommend a, a solo, a solo uh, flat, flat. Um, living arrangement at least for a while until it gets too desperately lonely uh, but my goodness is the bedroom that has been vacated need a, need a lot of cleaning my, oh wow. I bet like yeah. he basically lived in there for X yeah. number of years door closed windows closed for years oh, on end oh man that, yeah it was a sauna it's like it's like when you buy a new car like, I remember my first car which was a Vauxhall Corsa which was almost as old as me yeah. It was a hideous maroon colour. I think it was Izzy's old car. Sorry, Izzy. It was a horrible colour. And uh, in fact, no, no. Well, maybe it was. I can't remember. Anyway, it stunk of smoke when we first got it. Right. And despite opening every possible door and bonnet and f- for like a whole week, maybe two weeks. <laughs> every the possible place, bonnet? <laughs> all the bonnets you find in a car, James. Come on. Don't you know car stuff? Yeah, I do. at least 10 on your average car. <laughs> well, obviously, that's just a minimum. Anyway, after doing all that for a week, 10 days, fortnight, you could never truly get rid of the smell. No, it no, was just it sticks, it always sticks. there. Yeah. So like, my, my question is, is it just embedded into the fibers of, the, of that bedroom? Oh, yeah. No, the flat still smells like it did when we first got here there was like a secondhand smoker smell and that's still there and then like the it, it is uh, your flat does have a distinct um, scent it does it's not very pleasant but you get used to it pretty quick <laughs> but yeah I've been in and out a few times I did that thing I've been going out so rarely I, I, I rarely go for more than just a short walk while pandemic is on This was these were the longest I have been out of the flat and it's been so rare lately that when I came back to the flat, I had that sort of fuzzy, disoriented thing that your brain does after you've been away for two weeks. You ever done that? You go for a holiday, you come back to your flat, and it just feels wrong. It does just feel weird. Yeah, I did that, but it was only two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but but what about, like, food and stuff? You're going to have to, you know, you can't just rely on, well, I guess you can just rely on things getting ordered and delivered. Yeah, I get, I get all my groceries delivered. Um Every now and then, I'll treat myself to a to a delivery of some other sort. Um, but yeah, um, I get groceries delivered. I've got I get butcher stuff delivered. I've got I'm I'm now looking for a bakery that delivers, just in case I want <laughs> some bread. Greg's that it. isn't Greg's. I want a good bakery, good homegrown local bakery. <laughs> Dare you slander the name of Greg's? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mister Greg's. <laughs> Put less sugar in your bread, please. 
Yeah. No, it's it's great. You know, I, I was uh, I know we should really start the show. This is Seesaw Parade, everybody. Episode two two three. It is. I'm Colin, he's James. And I can podcast as loud as I want. Yes. Without feeling like anybody's gonna hear what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> wow, you did that so loud it actually did sound like you were in a cupboard. <laughs> yeah, it's actually my my list of to-do lists uh, is to finish soundproofing the cupboard because it's just not quite there yet. It's actually more the ceiling. There's nothing on the ceiling and there needs to be something in the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, but Let's get a carpet on there. That's uh, one of the options. And uh, one of the benefits, again, of, of living alone, but then having a company every so often, uh, you've got a cat, I've got a Graham, is that mm-hmm. he can help me with things, which are very difficult to do by yourself. And also very yeah, difficult if yeah. you suck at DIY, which I do. Right, yeah, yeah. No, Zelda's is real handy with the, uh, with the tools. <laughs> I was I was replacing my bed frame and she just she just got it. I went I went for a wee tea break and then I came back up and the bed frame was done. It was done. What a cat. What a guy. Yeah. Um I, did I tell you about my adventures with making a TV unit? Please stop me. If yeah, I have. yeah, because I've done the same thing before, but deliberately. Oh yes. Okay, well let me tell you my most recent one, which was yesterday, last night, replastering Various plug sockets because they're, you know, a little bit sugarly, wear and tear, and Look they're little bits of like cr- crumbly plasterboard around the edges. And so I wanted to make it all nice. Yeah. And so I started unscrewing the plug sockets. And mm-hmm. then just before I started putting the plasterboard in, Wait. I was like, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> Is the electricity still on? And of Call course, it. went back, hold on, hold on. It's not, that's only not even the bad bit. Went to the, the, the board with all the switches and turned off the electricity switch. Uh-huh. And then, Went back and was, you know, I unscrewed the plugs, the, the plug socket, the plug socket. Yeah, I unscrewed the plug socket. I unscrewed the plug socket to what I thought was as far as it could go, uh-huh. which was half a centimetre. Right. It turns out, James, uh-huh. you can actually remove the plug socket from the wall. And ideally, that's what you should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you should I do. I did not know this. Okay. And so I was like, all right, this plug socket's only coming half, half a centimetre away from the wall. Right. I'm going to attempt to put this fresh plaster all around the socket and lo and behold most of the plaster landed on the wiring yeah and yeah. so the wiring in that plug socket was covered <laughs> in loose soft wet plaster and i thought uh-huh. hmm uh-huh. this doesn't seem wise this doesn't seem no. like the way things are meant to do and of course i went on youtube and realized oh you can actually take full plug sockets off the wall off, yeah. and i'm an idiot but by the time i'd got to that stage of realizing you can unscrew plug sockets from the wall the plaster had hardened on said yeah, wires. Yeah, yeah. You know, you no longer have loose wires. And so I am, I am yet to check if the plug socket still works. But that is a problem for well, another if day. If the plaster's dried, I don't see any reason it shouldn't work. If you turned it back on when the plaster was wet, you might circuit the whole thing. Okay. But well, if it's dry, it could be fine. I don't think plaster's a conductor. It, I have turned the power back on since, and it is yet to fry the flat, but give it time. Give it time, yeah. You might want to just get an electrician in and be like, hey, the previous owners seem to have made a mess of this plug socket. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the other thing I tried to do over the weekend was replace light fittings. And of course, oh, yes, I, yeah. you know, I, I asked my brothers who have actual experience in DIY and labouring, I said, hey, yeah. can I change a light fitting? And both of them said, yeah. technically you can, but it's very, very fiddly. It will take you ages. You should get an electrician to do it. And of course, I said... It is, it's fiddly. I said... I'll take that as a yes. I'll do it myself. Yeah, you are so very brave. Attempted to do it myself, and as soon as I like took the the light fitting, unscrewed the entire thing. All it was was wires and cables, and I had wires and cables in the other one. I thought I have no idea what's going on. Why am I doing this? And so, of course, I've now contacted an electrician, and uh, I'm still without light. Well, then you could have a when he's over. Tell him to have a look at the socket. Bingo. Like, We're there, mess. James. What? Can you have a look just to make sure I don't need to get this changed? And if he, he'll have a look and be like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And you'll be, like, be like, oh, man, those previous owners and their shenanigans. Oh, man. I'm sorry. You'll get that, away with it. I'm sorry, everybody. The Seesaw Parade has begun to descend into this new Changing Rooms 2020. But on that note, yeah. Emel got in touch with the show, as you can do, on Twitter at Seesaw Parade, on Facebook at Seesaw Parade, and gmail.com. Uh, gmail.com even yeah contact us on gmail.com yeah just email gmail.com and you'll be fine 
Uh, Mel replied and uh, to our last episode and said, "Sorry, but how can you be a podcast with an entertainment section and so glibly skim past the huge news on the Changing Rooms reboot? This might just turn 2020 around. Do you remember the teapot smashing episode? TV at its absolute peak. Now, Mel, thank you very much for getting in touch. As you can do, dear listeners, please do. This is the news." that there is a brand new series of changing rooms with the old guy Lawrence and Davina McCall who is going to be your new host and to be fair like that's the kind of program she should be doing that's great and yes I do recall the hanging shelves China smashing everywhere uh, a a, a golden moment in early 2000s TV one of the the headlines since the release has been that they've chased up the teapot teapot lady (laughs) she's still raging is she she's still raging i'm not surprised it's a terrible terrible idea let's hope for no more teapot catastrophes okay we don't we that's we can't handle more of those this year so uh, a new a new a new season comes out let's hope it is the bright shining star we all need Okay, well, yes, we may not have teapot catastrophes, but we certainly have political and coronavirus catastrophes. Well, hey, James, uh, let's actually make a start to the show, shall we? Okay, okay. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said that the new three-tier system of regional COVID-19 restrictions in England is the right way forward. The PM Mm -hmm. told the House of Commons on Wednesday that this new policy can bring down the virus, but he has not (laughs) ruled out going further. So the three levels, James, are medium, high, and very high. Wow. I I don't think I've ever had a cake that started at medium. (laughs) Yeah, it's a strange one. Strange system, but hey-ho. So if you're on medium... Life is a little bit restricted. Pubs and restaurants closing at 10, but ultimately you can kind of do your thing. I still don't get the closing at 10 thing. I still don't get it. When it gets to high, there's more restrictions. And then if it's very high, then basically everything is shut. At the moment, Liverpool is at very high and there are various other regions in England which are at high. Right. James, this system has now been suggested that it may be implemented across the rest of the devolved nations. Nicola Mm -hmm. Sturgeon said that she would be considering doing a similar thing. And uh, Wales today, their first minister said that anyone from these hotspots in England will be barred from visiting the country. And again, Nicola Sturgeon said, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do the same thing in Scotland, maybe. Yeah, let's try that again. Let's see how raging the commons gets. Yes, the idea of internal borders except in Kent we like them in Kent for some reason it's a strange I don't know why Kent has been singled out but they have James let me ask this new three-tiered system what do you make of it? I mean it, it should have been like this the whole time and I think it was like this the whole time but on a national level they've just made the idea of tiers more localised which is what I thought we'd be doing a long time ago this seems like a very late stage in a pandemic to come up with the idea of like treating it regions within your country as separate places that could have spikes. I don't understand how we're so late to so this. It's a novel idea. I don't understand if the UK is late to this or any of the other parts of the UK are late to this. It doesn't seem big. I think it should work. I get what he's saying. It might help, uh, but it's not going to help as much as it's another another two week circuit breakers everyone's saying followed by this system yeah so this is you've beautifully segued that for me the labor leader sir keir starmer is still calling for a circuit breaker which is a two-week lockdown which he says is backed up by scientists and yes it did turn out this week that earlier in october perhaps the end of september the scientists were telling the government to do a circuit breaker, to mm-hmm. have this mini lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. just The government that follows the science. Oh, of course, yeah. Saying that a circuit breaker would have COVID deaths. And they get again, they've come out, this is a, an hour ago on Wednesday afternoon, saying that if one is introduced at the end of this month, then the amount of people who die from coronavirus between now and the end of the year could well be halved. Yeah, yeah. And, and it looks like we could actually see that happening with, the PM talking about doing it alongside the term break in schools. Um, so we might actually see it go down when everybody's going to be planning a wee holiday anyway, but it's going to be a, 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 a very localized staycation. We're not even talking about going to yeah. Scotland. Just stay in your home for your staycation. Um, a homecation. 
But it's just the same as it always has been. Everything we're doing, it just seems to be a, a month after we should have done it or a month after we were advised to do it. And this goes for uh, the leaders in the UK and in each um, regional right. uh, leadership. But Northern Ireland are already, already doing their circuit breaker. They're preempting. Indeed, Northern Ireland are closing schools and pubs as of Monday for four weeks. And uh, just on, on that note, yes, the head of the SAGE group, which is the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, this is Professor mm-hmm. Graham Medley, uh, one of the authors of this Circuit Breaker report, says, we may have already missed the boat yeah. for this planned mini lockdown. He's saying the whole point of these Circuit Breakers that you do them before you have to. Yeah, I think we're in a position at the moment where things are becoming more urgent than where you would have used these precautionary breaks. Yeah, and James, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to see that we are heading for much more severe restrictions because I <laughs> don't believe that these current, I'm, again, I'm using my air quotes here, restrictions no. are really going to no. see this R number go below one because it is still healthily above one. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think we're going to have this be the maximum. We're, we could be in another very long na- nationwide lockdown, which will be unfortunate for the wee island communities who who wouldn't actually need to at this point. It's, they've they've gone back down to zero in some of the islands around the UK. Right. So so do you, do you think then? Sorry. Do you think then that this tiered system just needs to be tweaked? and implemented across the whole of the UK. We need like we need like the maximum tier. Start a medium and then go to like panic tier. Why do they start a medium? Why like why is there a low? Well, if it started at like low then people wouldn't take it seriously or something, I guess. Right. But um, but, but, but in some cases it will be low if you're in say the Shetland Islands or Stornoway. Yeah. You have yeah. a much lower chance of getting it than if you are in Glasgow or in Liverpool, for example. Yeah, even though like the um, the, the area surrounding, like for Lewis and Sky and all that, they saw figures of um, infections in the double digits over the course of weeks, wow. which is high for them. They're back down again, and uh, the islands, uh, the islands around the UK, are doing that because they've got more control over who comes in, who comes out. They've got they're more dispersed. Um, so this this regional thing needed to be in place from the get go, after the first lockdown, and I don't see how at this point we still we're still having people reacting to the virus rather than preempting. Hey, where are the problem areas gonna be? Yep. Let's have a plan in place for when it, the hint of a problem starts arising, and we're still probably gonna have to be told to go into work and go into buy sandwiches in the high the high street and stuff like that. Okay, before we take it to Scotland, then one final question about uh, Wales. And this is, yeah, as I mentioned, the First Minister, uh, Mark Drakeford, saying that people in parts of the UK with high rates of COVID-19 would be banned from travelling to the country. Yeah. What do you think about that then? Because it seems to be something that has been largely kind of nodded in agreement. People saying, yep, that makes sense to me. But if you recall, James, (laughs) last time this was suggested, it was everyone was just laughing and saying, you can't do such a ridiculous thing, Nicola Sturgeon. Why would you dare even consider or suggest it now? Everyone's saying, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah, I feel like whales are getting the favourite child treatment. (laughs) Well, yes. They they heard Scotland's idea like a few months later. They were like, hey, we might might do that. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, brilliant idea. Why didn't anyone else think of that? (laughs) Genuinely, (laughs) it's because I believe the First Minister of Wales is not running for an independent Wales Political party. The independence for Wales polls are tracking their way upwards. Oh, they are. They are. Anyway, James, what do you think about this? I mean, it's again, it's just another really good idea, right? Limit travel. I mean, if you can do it, for sure. If you can police those roads, check people that are coming in and out, confirm where they're from. Like, that's that's just things that that we need to do in a pandemic. Um, (laughs) I, I, I am hurt that when Scotland was a safer space, more pandemic free for a while we were like hey we need to control travel we were told like it's ridiculous and you can't do it it sucks that we were told that when it could have actually helped a wee bit and now ages later Wales is just getting to do it without really much resistance so it's just the usual nothing makes sense Um, I really hope it does work though because the more tools that regions have to control the spread of the virus or to control incoming vectors the better Okay, let's talk about our favourite MP of the month, Margaret Ferrier, who 
we talked about last week who had been urged to resign by basically everybody. Yeah. So I also urged her to resign. Oh, likewise. Yeah. In an interview with The Sun on Sunday this past weekend, she said that her decision to use public transport whilst knowingly being infected with coronavirus was a blip. Uh-huh. And she argued that the that the virus makes you act out of character. <laughs> the virus makes you act out of character. So she's been suspended by the SNP. <laughs> Metropolitan Police are investigating. And uh, despite her calls to quit James, she is still in her post. And between now yeah, and the next election, she is set to make about 300 grand. So I've no idea why she's still in her job, yeah, James. Why might she try to hold on to this lucrative career? <laughs> Do you think... That she will be that she will be standing down, or is she just going to hold on to the position, Dominic Cumming style? She she'll do a domo. He's not seeing any any harm done in the long run, so she'll try and copy him. If she doesn't, I respect her, but I do hope that her district calls a no confidence vote because yep. they really can't have confidence in someone who will put so many people in danger in an out of character moment. Like how how does she know this is out of character? Has she been infected in a pandemic before and hasn't traveled by public transport? Oh yeah. So she'll stay, but there are ways to get get her out as she deserves. Right. In my mind, she clearly values her own salary more than I don't know, being self aware and yeah, ap- apologizing yeah. for actually putting so many people at risk. And that interview she gave, as opposed to, you know, being someone who made a bad decision, but yeah. then had the right attitude about it and was sorry and was going to do this and this and that, which if she had done that, fair enough. But instead, she's come out and just said all the totally wrong things. The virus makes you out of act out of character. Yeah. What? It was the virus's fault. <laughs> The virus told me to go on the train. Ridiculous. So yes, she she is still in her job, but if the people of Rutherglen and Hamilton West want to call a by-election, then they have the full support of Cease Operate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I sadly cannot vote in said by-elections, but I can influence the vote. Okay, uh, talking of votes, James, MPs have rejected the latest attempt to require imported food to Britain of course they have. to meet the domestic legal standards once Brexit is enforced uh, on January 1st. Of course they have. Uh, so this was on Tuesday. Politicians had struck down the Lord's Amendment uh, to this agriculture bill, which would have forced the trade deals that the UK were making to meet the current animal welfare and food safety rules. Yeah, And campaigners have warned the UK would be forced to now accept lower standards to secure this lucrative trade deal with the US, as we have talked about on the show before. Yeah, l- lucrative. <laughs> James, to, to me, again, this show is the, it's a reflection of the fact that politicians today will, and in the past, I guess, will say whatever it takes to get people's votes and then once it actually comes, when push comes to shove, will just blatantly go against what they said they would. And it's it's completely shameless, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I'm genuinely curious. After at the end of what, however long this current form of the Tory party is in charge, I am genuinely curious to see their manifesto results, like what their turnover was when they have this absolute honking majority. There is nothing <laughs> stopping them from fulfilling their promises except themselves. Um, so even though a lot of their promises are things that I think are daft and shouldn't be done, yep. they might do those ones, but I want to see. I want to see the total of, like, here's the ones that they weren't lying about, here's the ones that they knew they were lying about because they haven't even tried to fulfill them. And in this one, they're saying it's in the manifesto. We've got You've got our word in it. We don't need to have legislation that will make us do this. Just trust us that we'll do it, even if it's not in, in, enshrined in law. And like, why would we trust them? What have they done to give us any reason to trust them? Yep. Um, and and of course, they don't actually intend to. The trade deal with the US is the end goal so that they and their friends can have good deals for themselves, but everybody else gets shafted. Our meat and our um, veg and all our, our products will be sold to America to be premium goods, but they won't be sold in, 
enough quantity to make up for the loss and their stuff will come over here and become the new affordable versions so that all the poor people can get the the bad ones that are more likely to give you food poisoning because yeah even though they keep trying to tell us that the meat there is as safe as it is here and that the food there is as safe as it is here they have higher incidences of food poisoning in america than we do here and it's probably not just a cultural thing. I reckon it's probably to do with what they're eating. Okay, one final political story in the UK before we move on. And this is the news that a clear majority of people would back Scottish independence in a fresh referendum. And that's according yeah. to the latest poll released today, which shows a record level of support. Uh, the survey by Ipsos Mori, so it's not, you know, Yes Scotland or The National doing it. Yeah, it's one of those uh, those uh, fair and balanced ones. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the survey by Ipsos Mori found 58% of those who said they were likely to vote would vote for yes, 42 would vote no. This is the highest it's ever been. And of course, the... Yeah. Even accounting for undecideds, yes, was still above 50%. It was, yeah. I believe it was at 54, maybe 55. Yeah, 55, yeah. Th- the votes in 2014 did finish 55 to 45, no to yes. But that, yeah. if the polls are to be really um, relieved and believed, would <laughs> represent a 13-point swing. And yeah. James, this to me is completely unsurprising. No. And I I struggle to see any sort of eventuality where we get back to 2014, 2013 polling levels where the majority of Scots are in favor uh, in favor of the union. If you look at the the demographics for example of this polling, the people who are most against it, most pro union are over 60. Yeah. And the most people who are pro indie are 16 to 24s and 24s to 30s. Yeah. So if anything, the numbers are just going to continue to go up. Yeah, so long as everybody doesn't become Tories as they age. But that's a harder thing to do now that the wealth is not actually trickling down at all. Yes. And the wages of all people have been stagnant for for a decade, if not more. Um, So it's harder for the Tories to be recruiting um, as it goes. and of course, I'm not surprised either. We've seen endless lies, uh, endless disappointment from the UK government um, since the vote. I, I'm surprised that there aren't more people convinced. The only thing I am surprised by is that there is any support for the union at this point. Uh, I, I struggle so hard to find reasons to to want to stay. Because it's good to try and find those reasons when Absolutely. you're convinced of something. It's good to try and have those discussions. Well, as I've said before... I would vote yes, but I'm still unconvinced by the economic arguments. Yeah. In the same way that I am yet to be convinced that life will improve after January <laughs> yeah. 1st. Yeah. It's like, I'm unconvinced by the economic arguments, but to the exact same degree that I'm unconvinced by the UK's economics Correct. arguments. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, that's a neutral for me. To, to me, though, James, it's, it's the power of the argument of making our own decisions as opposed to being told or essentially just orders happening to us on behalf of the Conservative Party down south and Boris Johnson, who is more interested in lining the pockets of his comrades and former colleagues than he is in what actually happens to the well-being, the wealth, health and prosperity of people north of the border. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, when we look up the numbers after the pandemic, Boris and his pals have sent more money to each other than they have to the deprived areas of the UK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that is a big part of it. A big part of it is that more and more people are realizing that their vote actually does matter in Scotland. The way we've got the vote set up, everybody's vote feels more important. Scottish votes haven't mattered in the UK for generations. We could have voted for anybody and the same government would have been in power. The same decisions would have been made. So, of course, they don't care about us up here. Um, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, and anything that is, a new, that is a negative for an independent Scotland is equally negative for a UK that is leaving the EU, yep. trade dealing with America and constantly being led by uh, right wing and or centre right leaders. James, on to what we've been watching this week. 
And let me ask, have you finished any TV shows, watched any movies, done anything off note that you'd like to talk about? I have. Hey, what have you got? I kept up with and has have now finished The Boys. Oh, wow. Season two. So we both actually have something to review, which is the same thing. But yeah, we finally said, hey, we'll watch this and actually did it. Okay, well, James, here's my question, because I actually have written notes on this. Oh, I didn't. Would you like to hear my thoughts first, or would you like to... Here's, here's, what, I, 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 here's what I propose. Right. I do some brief thoughts, and then we do your notes and my responses to your notes. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, Because then your notes can be my notes as well. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, on you go. This was a good season of TV. It had some brave decisions... Um, some cop-outs, but I'm okay with them because they're clearly setting up for the next seasons. Uh, the intrigue gr- is growing in good ways. Okay. Um, they've thrown a couple of surprises out there that maybe aren't really surprises if you've been paying attention. But uh, overall, I am, I'm really happy with, with what they're doing with the show ba- like based off how, how bad the genre generally is. Like, this is keeping my attention very well. Okay. Uh, and the acting, acting is... Oh, amazing for oh, Amazon yeah. TV production. Okay, I see your your response, and here's mine. And I'm going to give you my my full notes here. Right. So the boys, just for anyone who's unfamiliar, is the Amazon Prime show, which is the irreverent R-rated take on superheroes. It's uh-huh, yeah, basically yeah, yeah. if you had actual superheroes in in real life, what would they be like? Yeah. And uh, it is. It's certainly season one was very well received. Season two has also been well received. If you are looking for if that sounds like it's up your alleyway, then dive in. Yeah. Currently currently 16 episodes on Prime. Okay, James, here's my thoughts. Okay. Season one was wild. Wildly enjoyable as well. True. Season two, I found to be wildly uneven. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. But mostly enjoyable. Yes. So here we go. Here's, here's what I liked. Homelander, who is the lead character in the show. Well, it could be argued. I, I'd say he's the lead character. He ought to be sweeping up the awards everywhere. Anthony oh Starr goodness, yes. is so good. And honestly, he should be winning lots of things come award season. Yeah. Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, as expected, is still awesome. And he's a protagonist who has lots of light and shade. You know, he's not just a good guy for the sake of being a good guy. He has problems. He, he makes very bad decisions and does the wrong thing a lot. Yeah. But that's good because he's not just this character who you root for through everything mm-hmm. I thought the supporting cast are all excellent it's a very satisfying season of TV in that unlike my gripe with Stranger Things for example they actually do tie up some threads and say right that part's finished yeah, yeah. and then we're going to open up something new and you know they're, they're yeah. dealing with multiple storylines at the same time whereas my gripe with Stranger Things is that it's just the same old torture being doled out to this poor little kid every season like just give him a break Whereas with the boys, they actually did give some resolution. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the show is also constant, uh, like consistently humorous and w- with the occasional actual laugh out loud moment. Oh, yeah. Right. Dislikes. I'll be interested to see what you think here. Okay. So I mentioned that the show is uneven. And boy, is it. Because it starts and ends really well. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the middle episodes were just filler. You know, something which could have taken 10 minutes became an entire episode of you know a road trip and a conversation which it adds very very little of anything to the show got you and the fact that amazon prime were doing this as a weekly episode it wasn't just a you know go on and binge yeah, this yeah that was a weakness go on and binge this it was you have to wait till next week and particularly if you're if your opening episodes have built up ahead of steam and you've really got some momentum, and then you get hit with a, an episode four or episode five, and they're just a bit flat, and you have to wait another week to see the next one, you think, well, right. I'm not sure I can be bothered. Yeah. Okay, here's the other issue I had. The show has always been about gore, and they have, I would say, upped it to an extent. In some ways. It, it is gruesome, and the one yeah. set piece in particular, and I know which one, you'll know which one I'm talking about, this oh, one yeah, set piece, yeah. I actually found to be too much. I thought it was unpleasant by the end of it. You know, I can deal with a few seconds of that happening, but it was like a good oh. 60, 90 seconds. I just thought, actually, this is making me feel nauseous. I actually I actually thought it wasn't well done. Oh, no, I, d- I did not like it. I did not like it no, at it all. Looked too much like a, it looked too much like a YouTube production for <laughs> okay. me. Okay. 
I mean, I know that the show is meant to be dark, but I, I genuinely, that was one part I thought was just for me with an, uh, you know, <laughs> a you, very you, a, uneasy stomach just was like, no, I don't really, I'm going to be re- replaying that in my mind tonight. Yeah. Last thought, last thought on the show. I mentioned Threads. Uh, the storylines. There are multiple storylines running in the show at there once. There are quite a few. And not all of them really work because there are so many. <laughs> and you're thinking, you know, do I really know, need to know about the Church of the Collective for four minutes of this episode? Can you? Does it really need to be in here? I thought, for example, some of the character backstories were done really well, mostly Frenchy. I thought was great, Butcher, Mallory. Yeah. But there is nothing on the character of Mother's Milk, M.M., Absolutely nothing apart from he didn't get too much development. He got this absolutely season. he got zero development. He just the only thing he got was at the very end of the show he went back home with a, a cuddly toy, yeah. gave it to his daughter, and everything was fine. That was it. Well, it was, yeah, that was this it. was Frenchie's season. Season one was MM. Right, season. and also Huey, who is the lovable protagonist, also had very little. There was a little bit of development with him and Starlight, and that was it. Yeah, I would argue though that. A bunch of the side characters got a lot of development, far more than you'd usually expect in a show. Yeah, okay, just before we, we finish this up and move on to something else. Characters like The Deep and A-Train, who in other shows would have been forgotten about yeah. and, and written out, were actually given way more yeah. than I'd expected them to. But then I thought it was to the detriment of the show because there was just so much going on. Yeah, I think, well, either you really go to town on this you make it a big part of the series or you make it I know you write them out and you're just saying okay that person's done that storyline's done you bring them in at a later date Yeah, no, I just it, felt it was juggling too many balls at the same time and it needed to focus more on the bigger balls it had <laughs> yeah no if there wasn't a season 3 I would have been more upset with right. how much time the deep was getting in particular A-Train his story actually did go go in an arc and come back yep. to a point. Yep. The Deep just was a punching bag for this whole season, but he's earned that from, still earning that from his actions in, in early on in season one. Um, but he got so much time and it went, not not really, didn't really go anywhere yet. Um, if there wasn't a season three, I'd be annoyed, but I'm assuming it's going to play a part in season three. I'm assuming a lot of the things I'm currently a bit unsatisfied with are going to play a part in season three. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the slow episodes, I just love that stuff. That's for me, which means it's not for your average uh, viewer. I can calling me average, and just James. Enjoy... Yeah, very average. <laughs> calling you, calling average. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good long talk that doesn't really do anything except give me a reason to believe that these characters have had more time. Okay. Um, to become closer to understand each other better. I, I like that value that you get just from spending time. Right. Okay, well, let's let's leave that there. If you have also seen The Boys or seen any TV show or movie you would like to review, yeah. please do send it to us. It would be great to hear I, from you. I do have one more thing I did want to highlight. Our primary antagonist, I thought, was a really brilliant current day social commentary because it wasn't subtle. Right. In this one instance where there was zero subtlety, it pointed out just how stupid the people that are her, but subtle in real life just, really are. Just to clear up listeners who are thinking, what on earth are you talking about? This is a character played by Aya Cash, playing a character called Stormfront. Who, who, is, an, who is an influencer who uses sort of underhanded messaging uh, to get her point y- across. Yes. And it's underhanded messaging that we see a lot. Uh, in the world that we are in right now, in real life. So, so she's using social media to weaponize people into into action. Yeah. And there's more. To, there's more to her character than meets the eye. Yeah. But yes, James, you're right. It's it's very on the nose for 2020. Super on the nose, but it's what we needed. And I hope that it gives some people the tools in their brain to recognize the people that are actually doing this in real life, because those people are vile, and they are deliberately doing this. She she's using the same terms. The writers are very clever, making her use the same terms and the same phrases. Okay, I've seen one other film this week. I'm going to give you a very quick review. This is Shutter Island. Yeah. Which is the Martin Scorsese movie from 2010, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo. And it is about the two of them, who are uh, police detective people who go to an island which has had a missing person and -hmm. they attempt to unravel the mystery. James... Let me see. I enjoyed this film, but uh-huh. I would not watch it again. Right, yeah. Because it just didn't really do it for me. Mainly because okay, okay. I could see what was happening very early on. 
Good. I think it was it was maybe the first clue that I realized, oh, okay, mm. okay, I see what's happening here. No, you think it's the first clue. The first clue is like in the first couple frames. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, anyway, I'll have to go and look that up now. I'm now. So yeah. to me, it was it was good, but everything is just sort of by the numbers. I thought the acting was good, but it was just kind of there. Yeah. It was by the numbers. Yeah. It was well shot. It was well put together, well directed, solid s- scripting, yeah. all nicely done. But at the end of it, it's just a very workmanlike film. Yeah. And it's a difficult one to classify in that it isn't a horror film and it's not really a psychological thriller either. Yeah. It's it more just weird. a character study. Yeah, it is weird. And I think a lot of the weight that is getting carried by the manuscript, by the book, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. the story and the creativity of that story. Even if the film did a kind of a lazy job of it, the story is still works. And it is really cool to look for those clues and to find them, and both in the book and in the film. And that's the one reason to rewatch it, is to see more of the hints that are getting dropped throughout the film. Okay, well, um, if you have seen anything, please do get in touch. And uh, yeah. That would be great. One thing, James, that I'm, I've not done for a while is revisited my Marvel watch-along because, oh. you know, life life has happened. And at the moment, I don't really have any plans of restarting it. I will eventually, but it does lead us nicely onto the news ah. about the casting of Spider-Man 3, which we talked about last week. Yes. Last week, if you missed the show, was the news that Jamie Foxx, who played a villain in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man film was going to be coming back to reprise his role in the new Tom Holland Spider-Man film. And I was very yeah. con- I was very confused about this. James, How did they do this? Don't know. <laughs> well, the news this week, which uh, sheds much light, is that Tobey Maguire, <laughs> who played Spider-Man in the early 2000s, and Andrew Garfield, yeah. who played it in the 2012, 2013, 14, have signed on to play Spider-Man in the new Spider-Man film. Which already has or a Spider-Man. In a new Spider-Man in, film. In the new Spider-Man film with Tom Holland, who's also Spider-Man. Yeah. So, James, tell me, oh, and also Benedict Cumberbatch is in it as well. Yeah. As Doctor Strange. So, James, tell me, how is this going to work? Right. So, this is still a rumour, I believe, but it's from a very trusted source, somebody who's been writing a lot of stuff before. I would suggest, um, coupled with the news we talked about last week, that this is legit. Yeah. So, the idea I've got, one is that Sony are getting to use Marvel characters in their films, which is new as far as, like, they've had a couple, they've had Fury, they've had a few, but this is, it seems like Strange is getting a major role, a major part to play in the next one, which could explain um, how we're getting the universes of the Spider-Man crossed over, because the next Doctor Strange film is all about multiverses and stuff like that. It is. Um, Or in, in some way. So if we're getting this idea of multiverse... Um, it could be their way to tie in all these different Spider-Man universes together. Um, and it could be their way to tie in, let's say, the X-Men stuff. Of course. That is already established. And then they wouldn't have to worry about establishing the X-Men in their own... They can just be like, oh, Doctor Strange did a thing. Or Scarlet Witch did a thing. And now they're here. Um, and it, it could be cool. I, I like the ambition. Uh, because we've been talking about hey, how do they go bigger. Uh, than bringing every character they have yep. into screen. And it's like, well, multiverse stuff. <laughs> Doctor Who does it whenever it needs to feel like it's going big. True. So why can't Spider-Man do it? Why can't Marvel do it? Okay, one last piece of movie news. Uh, this is about the proposed Cleopatra film. Uh, plans uh, yeah. for this new movie have sparked controversy before filming's even started. I don't even think a script's in place. And this is because of the role of the famed ancient Egyptian ruler, which is going to be played by the Israeli actress Gal Gadot, who's best known for her role as Wonder Woman. Now, James, the furore has uh, led to uh, a row on social media with some people alleging cultural whitewashing, where white actors are portraying people of colour. Some saying the role should instead go to an Arab or an African actress. Other people saying, well, Cleopatra was descended from... Greeks, Greeks, so therefore she was probably white, or at least tan. Or Mediterranean. Yeah, so... And Israel's on the Mediterranean. Right. And so this is this is what the, the problem is. People are saying, you know, how, how foreign do you need to be? Yeah. Do you need to be Lupita Nyong'o? Or is someone who's from Israel... Because well, that would be the opposite, right? It wouldn't be... <laughs> she's not... I don't know what's her what's her it's not she's not like from Egyptian north northeastern African descent. Yeah, Kenyan, yeah. 
So, so um, is Gal Gadot not African enough? Is Israel n- not Middle Eastern enough? Well, I don't. Like, I don't. I would assume that Egypt fills falls into this mix of like, yeah, it's on the African continent, but it's considered part of this Middle East that we've all got in our head. Yeah, because it is. It's been in all the all the classic conflicts, for example. It's it's it's, it's very much uh, Middle Eastern, and as Israel is, and as. Uh, we all know it is because that's one of the major reasons there's a lot of conflicts there. Um, so I, I don't quite follow this one. And I know it's good to be sensitive and it's good to try and promote people uh, off color and people who have uh, not had uh, people and people groups who have not had the limelight so that they can inspire people within their groups because that inspiration matters. And it also helps people of different races uh, feel more attached to um, whatever race is now being represented. There's so many reasons to care a lot about representation in media. Right. Um, I, I I don't understand the people who are saying she sh- like the Cleopatra character needs to be real black, like super black. Um, I, but I also don't understand everybody who's like, hey, this isn't an issue. If, if people think it's an issue, it is. That's how issues are decided. It's the, the court of everybody. Public opinion. Um so uh, I, I, if I was a wedding, I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't care about this one. This one feels like a nothing. I think there's bigger problems than somebody from Israel um, playing somebody of Greek descent from Egypt. I totally agree. Um, for, for in, a, in a time where we don't actually know what the color of people's skin was because people have changed a lot in several thousand years or even several hundred years and even in a hundred years people change a lot right and there's not actually depictions of, of Cleopatra so, so she could have, she could have been milk white for all we know precisely that so the, the problems here are that and this is what has been raised by a couple of historians is that the image of Cleopatra of being this seductive sensual like mysterious person is essentially just a myth handed down by Latin love poets years after Cleopatra's death yeah, yeah, and not yeah. helped by Elizabeth Taylor's famous portrayal of Cleopatra. So mm-hmm. th- all the images we have are basically just based on nothing. Very little is really known about Cleopatra to the extent that you know some historians will say she's the queen without a face. We don't really know what she looked like. So how are we meant to have any sort of judgments about it? I completely agree. If people are getting annoyed that an Israeli is playing an Egyptian, there are much bigger problems in the world yeah, than that. But they can still be annoyed, and that's fine. I, like, of course yeah, of course they can, and, that's, and that is their right. Yeah, so for example, this isn't on the level of people complaining that, wait, what film was it? Pharaohs? Uh, Gods of when, Egypt. When um, Remy Malek was playing, Gods of Egypt, when he was playing an Egyptian as an Egyptian, and people were saying... This is whitewashing. Like, this isn't on, quite on that level, <laughs> but it's pretty close. Oh, I mean, maybe it was. No, maybe it was the uh, Night at the Museum in which he, he was playing some sort of Egyptian. Oh, would it, it would have been Night at the Museum. He was playing the Pharaoh. Yes. It was something. He was play, he's, he's played literal Egyptians yep. as someone of Egyptian descent, and people were saying it was whitewashing. He's too white. So we're not quite on that level of, of crazy, but I do think part of the problem is that in... Probably in the UK, in the US, there are people who are not informed and they believe that Africa is like a homogenous color of skin. Yes. And they don't realize that there are more differences between groups of people within Africa than there are within the rest of the world. Like people have been in Africa so long that the genetic differences between countries and between districts are massive compared to the difference between, let's say, us and Russians. James, we're on to a second day of questioning of Donald Trump's nominee for the US Supreme Court. This is Amy Coney Barrett, who has insisted this week that she will decide cases as they arrive and not apply a personal agenda. She has been Uh appearing at the Uh Senate for questioning from legislators. Each senator gets 20 minutes to ask her any questions. She was sidestepping yeah. a lot of those questions on Tuesday. I see to expect. Like, yeah. failing to answer the question of, is voter intimidation illegal? Yeah. And the the fear is that she will bring in a lot of her personal views, which are yeah. pro-life, they are faith without apology, 
and uh, anti-LGBTQ, yeah, that that sort yeah, of thing. And there's the worry that she'll do she'll do Trump and all the people who helped her get this new position some favors in return. So yeah, and those concerns that the Democrats have raised and are attempting to essentially put that under the spotlight and saying, look at the problems this is going to cause for the US Constitution. Because if Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court, there will be a 6-3 advantage to the conservative side when it comes yeah. to deciding you know, the highest cases in the country. The Constitution, basically. The interpretation of the Constitution. What do you make of this? Well, it's a pantomime at this point, right? The Senate has enough people there to vote and to confirm the appointment, the questions are limited in time, so they can't delay it so long that the election happens and someone has a higher power to cancel the appointment. They're just trying to shunt it through, uh, and the questions are just trying to convince the public that things are a problem so they're more likely to vote one way or the other. I expect that um, she will be confirmed, and then who, if the Democrats win, they'll stack the court in their favor, and then every every election that swings the the new the new practice will be stacking the court, adding more people to it, stack the court, and it's it kind of it looks grim for the for America's future because everybody's turning to underhanded um, methods because a lot of the rules and procedures were just gentlemen's agreements yeah. or gentle persons agreements. Um, and, and now everybody's breaking those. Similar to what we're seeing in the UK, where a lot of things that were just a handshake previously are now being ignored, and we're wondering maybe we should have made this stuff laws sometime in the past. Um, but she seems like she's going to be exactly the pick that they need, somebody who can't really be pointed out as a completely abhorrent person because you'd be calling almost every American that identifies as a Christian abhorrent too. Um, yep but somebody who will still vote in favour of what the GOP want her to. Correct. In a lot of cases. So eh, I'm not excited. It kind of sucks um, because we want a court who will actually decide things case by case. And that's what she's saying. She's saying, hey, I can't I can't make judgments on hypothetical cases. Yeah, you can't. That's very fair. <laughs> but we all know what the judgments would be. Um in these non-hypothetical cases that are going to happen. Okay, let's stick with politics in the States. Very quickly, we're running out of time. Yeah. The election, the presidential election, is less than three weeks away. Can't believe which it. Which is mental, actually, yeah. Time flies. It's like feels like yesterday that I was a trashy human being making jokes about Trump winning. <laughs> How time has flown. Well, genuinely, it does. I cannot believe that's come uh. up to four years since uh, he was actually voted in. Anyway... The president has returned to the campaign trail less than two weeks after testing positive for coronavirus. Uh, this was, yeah. uh, I, I'll be honest, a remarkable recovery, but he clearly did have the best medical treatment available. And also the Regeneron, which he promised to give out for free to every American who, who <laughs> wanted and needed it, which I thought was uh, interesting. <laughs> I gotta wonder, gotta wonder what he's thinking there. Indeed, he told uh, thousands of supporters in Florida, many of whom were not wearing masks, that he would give them all a big fat kiss because he felt so oh, healthy. No. Of course, Joe Biden, who is speaking in Ohio, accused the president of reckless behaviour. Yeah, and uh, the two candidates are still scrambling to secure votes uh, with three weeks to go until the November third election. Opinion polls currently suggest Mr. Biden has a between 10 and 17 point lead of, over Mr. Trump. Still not enough. Some of the states appear to be very narrow, as is the case in Florida uh, and in other battlegrounds, which are crucial for gathering the 270 electoral college votes needed yeah. to win the White House. Yeah, but almost every state is seeing record-breaking voting on early days. Which is good. People are peop So many people are voting early, and that's what you need for a fair democratic process is the most votes possible. Um, even if those votes are just a spoiled ballot, still counts. Um, it's kind of weird. I, I don't understand how good a treatment can be for the coronavirus that you can become like not infectious anymore so soon compared to the rest of us who, who have to wait like two weeks after whatever. But it's probably just because we're not getting tested every five hours to find out if it's done yet or not. It's really upsetting. Like I said last week, I believe I said the two bad things that could happen is Trump dying or 
Trump getting a speedy and just yep. easy recovery. It sucks that he's had a speedy, easy recovery because he is now going out with a message of don't be afraid of the virus. If you get the virus, it's fine. Somehow forgetting that the average human being doesn't get just <laughs> yep. flown to the nearest and best hospital uh, on a precaution and pumped full of experimental and non-experimental -exper treatments on day one um, to try and beat the virus to the to um, into submission before it becomes a problem. And now people are going to die because of what he's saying. And he's hosting a bunch of events that are, that are going to be super spreaders of themselves because people are going to attend who have, who have coronavirus. And it's a big, big shame that he recovered so quick. And yeah, I hate that he's back on the campaign trail just because he doesn't deserve to be there. He doesn't deserve any of this. He deserves to be done and in jail and rotting away and all this stuff. But it's even worse because it is going to be causing deaths. His recovery is going to be causing deaths. Okay, James, one last story, and this is about Apple and their new phone. They've confirmed... Oh yeah, there's a few stories about that. <laughs> they've confirmed their iPhone 12 handsets will be the first to work on the faster 5G networks. The company has also extended the range to include a new mini model, which has a smaller screen... And the US firm actually bucked a wider industry downturn this year by increasing its sales over the last 12 months. So, so, James, with the announcement of this new phone, it means that every previous iPhone, every previous iPhone is now going to start slowing down and eventually stop working. Of course, of course. Any thoughts on this, or do you still see Apple continuing to grow and become just an even more enormous company? No, they're, yeah, no, they're, they are dominating certain markets and they're going to continue to do so. They're making decisions that are cutting back costs while maximizing profits while also being seemingly green like this idea of not sending out chargers in the box, not sending out earphones in the box, because technically, yeah, how many times do you just throw those away? I'd say what, um, four out of five times when I've bought a new phone and it's come with a charger, I've not needed it. I've not needed the headphones that come with it. So this is the first time that none of the devices will come with headphones and a charger. Yeah, but everybody's got loads at this point, so it makes sense. But then they can also just charge you twice as much for buying a new one. <laughs> yes, they can. It'll be a new premium. So they're going to keep making money. They've they've still got that brand. They've still got that identity of being worth the money. And to be fair, they're not pricing way out of range of everybody else. All the prices for phones are pretty similar these days. So they're doing well. They're, they're ahead of the game a wee bit. They're setting up their own uh, microchip department so they don't have to worry about buying from somebody else. Like, Apple are going to be a powerhouse for a long time. Uh, hopefully they keep down this, keep on going down this path of making their business more sustainable, hopefully in the future more ethical. I'm still never going to buy their stuff until it is <laughs> worth the money. But I, I, I'm, I'm liking this idea that they could be ethical because as we know, the average human being does not actually have any power to change the, the planet. It is the corporations that do. They're the ones that need to be recycling. Yes. They're the ones that need to be green. If I recycle, it makes no difference. If every single human being recycled all their home waste plastic, it would make no difference. <laughs> the corporations could make a difference overnight. I, I lied when I said I'd only watched two things. You've just reminded me. I watched the David Attenborough documentary on Netflix, which was about right. this. I can't remember what it's called, but it's something about like David Attenborough saves the planet or or yeah something along those lines a brave title like that and basically it, it's it's really interesting in that it just tells me a lot of what i already know yeah. but it forecasts what is what the planet is going to look like Ooh, yeah. over the next you know 100 150 years and what's really interesting and i won't spoil it is the setting for the intro and the outro and the message that eventually, regardless of what we do as a species, wildlife will still win. Mm -hmm. Let's say, like, the whole world was suddenly to just vanish and die or be raptured into the heavens. Right. Eventually, just plants and animals and things would take over, mm -hmm. as has proven in the place in which they're filming this intro and outro. But ah. my takeaway from watching that documentary, which is really interesting if you want to stick it on the background for an hour and a half, is that exactly what you've just said, James. I can make little changes. I can stop eating meat, you know, twice a week instead of just once a week. Yeah. And I can recycle everything. Yeah. And I can encourage other people to do that. I can buy a, yeah. an energy-conscious energy provider. Yeah. And it will not make a difference because yeah. ultimately 
the people who can make a difference are the likes of Boris Johnson. The mega rich and, and the mega powerful. And the presidents of the world and these global corporations and these fossil fuel organizations yeah. which are burning through our resources at a ridiculous rate. Yeah. They're the ones who can save the planet. It's not us. Yeah, I still want to live that ethical lifestyle, but the reason is not because it makes me a superpower. No, no, a superhero. <laughs> As as like BT suggest I would be not BT as BP suggest I would be BT BT probably do as well probably, yeah, because it's do. the oil companies that set up this lie that the the individual's carbon footprint matters. We get asked about our carbon footprint by companies that are giving us the resources to burn. Yep, and are profiting off everybody burning it. <laughs> so like, don't get me wrong. I will still do all the things I can to help, yeah. but ultimately, I make zero difference there's zero net gain on the future of the planet ultimately the bottom 50 percent of the population barely makes a difference ultimately the bottom 90 percent of the population makes like a couple of percent of the difference it yep. is the top 10 percent that are a problem and beyond that is the mega corporations that do almost all of the heavy lifting in terms of destroying the planet ah screw you apple <laughs> and all the other ones <laughs> and everybody else you all suck ah stop <laughs> killing the planet Okay, right, let's bring this show to a close. No wonder Elon wants to live on Mars. Oh, he's going like he's... He's to burn us all so that he can live on Mars. Take us with you, Elon, maybe. Eh, not really. Nah, I'm quite no, happy here. No. Okay, I'm going to stay yeah, in my I'll cupboard. I'll die here. I'll die, I'll die on Earth. <laughs> It'll be fine. If you want to get in touch with the show, please do. Twitter, Facebook, Gmail. James, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, always is. <laughs> yeah. And I'll see you next week. Yeah, take care, everyone. Do your recycling. Don't buy Apple. Well, buy apples, but only sustainably. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.